Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and good morning to all of you. This is Ayers on the Road. I'm Richard Ayer. And I'm Linda Ayer. And we are still up at Bear Lake with our family. We've been up here since the 8th of July, and now it's the toward the end of July. I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but um, it's I, been I always say good moment. morning because I know it runs Saturday morning, but it also runs other times. So if it's good afternoon, then good afternoon. And welcome to the show. We are going to have fun today. We're we actually have just finished our reunion with 46 people. We've actually had uh, between 30 and 46 people at our at place here in at Bear Lake since July. And uh, <laughs> we're getting tired. It's, it's <laughs> That's kidding. the thing about family reunions: you're so excited and happy when they start, and you're also really excited and happy when they end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so great to have everybody here. And we actually had everybody for four days, and that's all we can get them. That's max for all, everybody. I mean, it's just so crazy uh, with everybody around and all the needs and so on. I, just, I love the roar that's going on just before dinner because everybody's hungry. And then it kind of calms down. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they start eating quiet, it's so, well, not totally quiet, but. And family reunions or any aspect of families are not 100% sweetness and light and joy and happiness. There's a lot of gritty stuff thrown in there, relationships that need a little work and things that you want to be better. And But it's great. I mean, what's what is better than family and being together and working our way through things and trying to be as good as we can be. And well, we, we always tell people that please don't feel guilt because when you come to these family situations, all of us, it's kind of natural to say, oh, I wish I'd done that a little better. I wish I'd known that problem was coming. Oh, I wish I'd given him better advice. I wish I hadn't let him do that on and on and on. You can go on and on and on with guilt. But you know, what we've found is that pretty much, all parents do the best they can with what they have and what the information they have at the time. Um, it really is interesting that, um, we, we actually have kids strewn across the world. And so it is so fun to see them, um, and to catch up with our grandchildren. Although we travel a lot and we see them a lot, we see them every maybe two or three months, sometimes four months. But uh, the kids change so fast. These grandchildren are absolutely amazing. They just change so much. Even we were just in New York City with our little um, two-year-old. He, he's training to be a ventriloquist because he he, he never says. He talks words. with his teeth he closed. Talks, he talks to the back of his mouth, and it's so cute. His mother understands him, but she translates for him. <laughs> <laughs> She's the only one that does. Um, and, you know, we were last night in bed thinking, do you think that child's going to need uh, speech, speech therapy? therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they all are so delightful. They, uh, we have a little violinist, and we're going to play violin duets today, uh, she and I, and she's in Suzuki. And this is kind of the aftermath of the reunion. Yeah. Most people leave. It's kind of relaxed. It's, it's almost better than the actual reunion itself. <laughs> it's not quite as chaotic. No, don't say that. We had... Uh, 
But the way we do this is assign the kids, one family at a time, to be in charge of the reunion. And so this year, uh, we had the Pothiers from Arizona. They and their kids, although two of their kids are gone. One is their oldest son is on a mission in Taiwan. For they were the only church. two absent from the reunion. And the other one is teaching Chinese. She's just turned 16, but she's in China teaching Chinese to kids and having the time. How's that for a summer job? Uh, that's a pretty cool thing. But um, they just did a great job. The theme was live life to the max because their oldest son's name is Max. And we have to always remember him, even though he's not here. And so um, every day we had a different theme. Um, live life to the max physically, live life to the max socially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And Pretty good theme. We had a great time. We had so much fun. There were so many interesting interchanges and things to think about. And um, we did painting. We all painted Bear Lake. Uh, on little canvases, and today we're going to go down and hang those up. You didn't know that yet, honey. But yeah, we're going to do. We're going to hang all the kids' oil paintings. Oh, kids and adults. We've got some budding artists. Well, they were acrylics, not oil. You wouldn't hand any. Uh, oh, any is that child. what they were? Acrylics. I yes. guess I knew that. Don't ever hand a child oil. Well, you, you listeners might be getting a little tired of hearing about our reunion. We've mentioned it the last three weeks because it's been we've been preparing for it and holding it, and now it's the aftermath and so on. But today. Because it is late in July, we're, our, our thoughts are shifting a little to something called Joy School. And many of you are familiar with Joy School. There have been about 230 or 240,000 families that have participated in Joy School over the many years that it's been organized. But we just thought it might be a good thing to spend part of today's show talking about how Joy School came to be and what it is and why it is unique in many ways. Um, the reason I say we always start thinking about it toward the end of July is that Joy School is, that's when, that's when they get organized, these Joy Schools that are all around the world. They're basically cooperative um, neighborhood or friend network joy schools where a group of moms and sometimes dads are very involved uh, form a joy school group and it might be three to six moms who rotate as the teacher and hold preschool three times a week and we call it joy school and we'll you'll understand why as we get into it it all kind of started Linda back when we had a couple of little preschoolers and lived in the outskirts of Washington, D.C., in McLean, Virginia. Well, it did. Many years ago. <laughs> many, many years ago, because it was when our oldest child was born. She's just about to turn old. <laughs> I, can't, get into that I can't even remember exactly how old. Well, it was really when we had two little girl preschoolers. Well, so. no, I mean, when we first brought that little Saren home from the hospital, um, there was a note on our door saying, get your child into preschool now, or she will never make it to Harvard, essentially. That's, <laughs> that's what they were saying, because... You need to get that. You know, there's a huge wait list. Think about it. Get this child on your on our list, and so on and so on. Well, it was a time of real uh, intense academic focus for preschoolers, and and we would get. I mean, that wasn't the only circular we got in the mail. We would get things saying, 
teach your our, our program will teach your child to read by the time he is three years old and and to do square roots by the time he's five or whatever i mean it was just all academics and and we were troubled by that we were we were like when do the kids get a chance to have a a childhood you know where where did where did childhood go where did uh, a little time to play. I mean, aren't they going to start school soon enough? We'd, we'd lived in Europe for, uh, at that point, we hadn't lived in Europe, but the time we'd spent in Europe, uh, we'd been fascinated by some countries that don't start kids in school till they're eight years old or so because they feel like they, they deserve a childhood. So we're like, why, why are we trying to push these two- and three-year-olds into all kinds of academics. Why not focus on something other than academics until they enter school? And we talked about that with each other. We talked about it with some friends we had. I remember we had some meetings with, with groups of other parents saying, what do we really want for these preschoolers? What, what, is the, what should be the objective or the goal? Are we sure it's to push them academically when they barely learn to talk? And interestingly, um, we now have a son and daughter-in-law and little uh, five-year-old five, <clears throat> five-year-old granddaughter living in Switzerland, and they really believe that kids should play. They should just play. Yeah, they, they don't start academics. She's really. in kindergarten, but there are no letters, no numbers anywhere. They're just toys and other kids to talk to, and maybe a little bit to the extreme. But um, it, they don't teach any kind of reading until they're seven, I mean, six, maybe next year. Maybe they'll start next year. But And we're just reading a book called The Danish Way of Parenting. And it's the same concept of teach your child to love life and enjoy the world and quit worrying about academics. Because even those kids that are way ahead when they start school because they do read and so on, Everybody's going to catch up by the so, time they're eight or nine. So anyway, that was kind of the genesis or the beginning of this concept of joy school. It started with a question. The question was, you know, do is, is that really the goal for preschoolers to push them academically? And we felt, no, it wasn't the goal. What is the alternative then? And in these discussions with some of our friends, uh, other parents that had preschoolers, we, we, we kind of gyrated around on what we were trying to do and what the alternative might be. And then there's a scripture that we've always loved that says, men are that they might have joy. And we got focused on that one night and we thought, isn't that really the goal with preschoolers is to help them to build kind of a foundation of happiness for their life, to under, to, to begin to understand what makes them happy, what what are what constitutes happiness for for children, and of course later on for adults. And this this evolved, and and we started thinking about something called Joy School. And and we what where I thought it really got interesting, Linda, is when we said, well. Is that just pie in the sky? I mean, you just try to make kids happy. That's pretty general. How could we be more specific? And we, we said, what are the various kinds of joy that can exist? And then it really got interesting because we started thinking of, well, the joy of the, 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 joy of the body, the joy of the earth, appreciating what's around them, the joy of sharing 
the joy of serving others, the, the joy of setting a simple goal, the joy of confidence to try new things. Yeah, the joy of imagination and creativity. And we, we thought, you know, we can actually subdivide joy into its various components. And then we can reduce that kind of joy down to its simplest form and help kids to learn it, help kids to understand it while they're still very, very small. And then it got really exciting for us. It really did. In fact, um, we got rolling on that. And then we thought, well, but how do we do that? How do we do that? And uh, we, your mother... Um, well, hang on, don't get to that yet, because first we wrote a book. We, we, we actually wrote our first parenting book. That seems like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, and, and we named it Teaching Children Joy, and it, it changed everything in terms of the way we were thinking about our preschool children. And then came the chapter that involved my mother and the establishment of the first actual joy school, of which there have since been over 200,000. So should we take a brief break and, and then come back and talk about that first little joy school in Logan, Utah? Uh, we, we can, because we've just been thinking about it. We've just been at Utah State University where we were, and that is where all that kernel started because that's where you grew up. And uh, we'll continue with this story in the second half. Be right back on Ayers on the Road. We're back with Ayers on the Road. Um, today we are reminiscing not only about our reunion that just happened, but about our lives in general because we are talking about something that we we've spent a lot of time have on. spent a lot of time on it's through the last part of forty our lives. years. Yeah, I mean, really, it's been forty years, hasn't it? Joy School. You know, when when we're speaking in Dubai or in Abu Dhabi or in Moscow or whatever, it's amazing how always, just about all, I can hardly think of a speech we've given where someone doesn't come up and said, oh, I did joy school. I do joy school. I love joy school. And it, and they're always, of course, the most outstanding people who are there. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> it's incredible. We started when we were speaking at education, what we call education week down at Brigham University. And we were speaking to students about this. And when we very first started, we were you know, excited about it, and we were just mentioning it. Well, these are kids that are well-educated, and they spread all over the world. They just, they were on their way to the world, so, so to speak. And they took It was joy like a wind them. blew yeah. the seeds of Joy School, and it went all around the, it's the pretty world. Funny. It's kind of a cheesy title, you know, Joy School. Joy School. <laughs> we, we realize but that it's is kind perfect. of perfect. It's what but it is. But it is exactly what it is. And so um, we really have been so blessed. I mean, we've never advertised that I can think of. Or we, we haven't had the money to because it operates as a co-op. People pay just their share of what it costs to produce the materials. The materials in the early days were hard copy. They were like manuals, little manuals that we'd send out in the mail with cassette tapes. Remember cassette tapes? Oh, yeah. It had the music for Joy School on it. and and the little uh, art projects and so on were all hard copy. And of course now, 
it's so much easier to do joy school because it's all online and you just click on there and you just do it. So, um, it's a, it's kind of a neat thing, but getting back to how it started when we wrote the book, teaching your children joy, we had it divided into, into, into different sections. And, uh, and we found that there were some joys that we felt needed to be preserved in children. No one needs to teach a child the joy of spontaneous delight. What parents have to do is be sure they don't knock that out of them to, to encourage it and to, to bring it about. Well, and what they have to do is incorporate it in their lives. I mean, how often do you have spontaneous delight? We need to do it more often as adults. And then there were other joys, like the joy of setting a simple goal and accomplishing it, which children are not naturally adept at at all, but which they can learn very, very quickly. So um, we ended up, and I think this was kind of a breakthrough in the book, Linda, we ended up saying, you know, it'd be nice if you could concentrate on one kind of joy each month with these little preschoolers. And then you've got a natural framework, you've got a natural template. And so, you know, when it's, when it's January, you focus on the joy of spontaneous delight. And then in February, it shifts to the joy of the body and it shifts and so on. And, and so that became the format for the book. But then here's what happened. Uh, and you correct me if I get any of this wrong, Linda, but we, we got called to go be a mission president for our church in London. And so we were going to be gone for three years and we had just finished and published this book, teaching your children joy. And we had an idea that while we were gone, maybe it could be developed further. And, we were just driving, and I said this, started on this earlier, and you cut me off. Sorry, but, I didn't mean to. Um, but uh, we were, we've just been over at Utah State University taking our grandchildren over there for grand camp. But Richard came because we did an ancestor thing this year. We're jumping from the on present the way to the back. Past. Yeah, no, on the way back, we got to the very spot in Logan Canyon where we had this idea many, many years ago. Richard's mother is a fantastic woman with young children. She majored in early childhood education. Uh, she just has a oozing with ideas of how to uh, teach young children. And, but at the time, she, her, she lost her husband when she was 38 and he was 39. Yeah. So she was a widow struggling um, in charge of the pink ladies of the hospital, making minimum, not much more than minimum wage to raise her family. And, we thought, what can we do to help her? And then suddenly we everything seemed to fall together. Well, wait a minute, let's have her develop a curriculum while we're gone. She'll have three years to think about it. And that is exactly what we did. We went home and we got so excited about it. We bought a house and decided we're going to have a laboratory joy school. Bought a house and works. converted it into a, a, a commercial little joy school in, in Logan. And again, to put that in perspective, here was this book we had, which was becoming a bestseller, and we were a little stunned by it, that there were a lot of parents in the world who felt the same way we did, that preschoolers ought to have a chance to have a childhood and shouldn't be pushed so hard academically, and joy school was an alternative, but it was only hinted at in the book. It was like, hey, you could, you could even get neighborhood kids together, and you could work on some of these joys together. But then when we had the idea that you mentioned, Linda, we thought, hey, we're going to be gone for three years. Um, we've got this wonderful mother who is so adept at 
writing lesson plans and so on. Let's give her the book and see if she can adapt it into a full-on, full-fledged curriculum, lesson plans, very detailed, because you're going to have moms teaching these lessons who are not trained teachers. They need, if there's a music activity, they need the music. If there's an art activity, they need the template and the materials and so on. And, and if there's a story, they need the story. So that a mom who's not a trained teacher, who's got her preschooler and some of her friends' preschoolers, can teach them for two and a half or three hours, three times a week, and really do a good job of teaching joy. Honey, you haven't taught joy school for a lot of years. Well, it's really only two two times a week. Well, sometimes Usually Tuesday, Thursday, and, but the, yeah. the mothers it's have adaptable. figured out how to adapt it and make it into three days. And uh, especially with the older kids. But, you know, it wasn't just your mom. When people heard this idea, you know, Wendy Murdoch says, look, I'll, I'll do the music. She's just fabulously talented. And she just did this music for us. Andrea Bergen showed up and said, I'll do the art. And she did some terrific art pieces uh, that go along with the lesson. And people said, I'll, I'll help with handicrafts and things that they can do to teach that value. And it really was pretty amazing. There were people who came up with stories. There were people who just contributed out of the woodwork. And it just kind of fell together. Well, and you're jumping ahead a little because during the three years we were in England, the this one joy school got established and, and got going. And the curriculum, the basic curriculum, got written. But then when we came home, we're getting a little personal here, but I, I had uh, before this three-year mission, I had been a management consultant and a political consultant. In fact, I I was on the verge of running for Congress, and, and I think the mission saved us and the world from me as a politician. <laughs> but when we came back, we had become so excited about the idea of early childhood education. And in a broader sense, we had become more aware that families are sort of the key to everything. I mean, even our work in England, the, the missionaries that did the best job came from strong families and the ones that had the biggest problems, you could trace those problems back to the family. We came home convinced that if we could find something to do professionally that would, that would improve families, that would help families, that would assist parents, that would be a real contribution. So we made a kind of a dramatic career change. I did not start up my consulting company again, at least not in the same form it had been in. We still had the company and we did some political work and some marketing work. But basically we said, let's take this preschool, this joy school concept, which is pretty well known now because of our book, and let's make it possible not to set up other schools like this one in Logan with brick and mortar, but to make it possible for, for families, <clears throat> excuse me, to create co-ops and rotate as the teacher and do a do-it-yourself preschool. And it's adaptable enough if the mom works, then maybe her turn comes on Saturday. If it's a stay-at-home mom, maybe she can do hers on a Tuesday morning or whatever. And the curriculum is complete. Moms can feel confident that they can teach these kids these concepts of joy. And so we put it out there. That was a, that was a fun time. And uh, we, then we realized as we went along that 
you know, it's great to teach her and joy, but those kids do need to be ready for kindergarten. Right. So we did produce a kindergarten readiness manual so that um, in our group, we kept the kids, the older kids, a half an hour longer and just did some exercises with them. So they had the basics. They were in, in America. You got to have basics when you go to kindergarten. And um, and, you know, pretty fluently, they knew how to write their name. They knew how you know, identify colors and numbers and letters and so on. And it it just really it just clicked. It was one of those things that we were amazed by. I'm we're making it sound real easy though, because it wasn't oh, really it was easy. Hard. We were on it was, the phone. We were up home. Please just try this. Just try uh, coming to this school and see if it doesn't make a difference in your child. And um, your mom was magnificent at getting uh, parents rounded up and really involving the kids in a lot of fun. I mean, joy, fun. You know, well, we found a printer and we started printing these manuals, which were, you know, 150 pages each month, thick manuals with all the materials on how well, to teach this and instructions I and mean, instructions. A lot to of moms, moms like I can't I don't know how to teach. It's just every five minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. It tells you exactly what to do. But I think where it got rewarding, Linda, is when we would we would have families come and say, you know, this is changing how we operate as a family. We, we put up a banner each month. The, the January, the joy of spontaneous delight, and we changed the banner every month. In other words, there was the little school thing going on, but more than that, it was a family-based program where you had whole families focusing on one kind of joy, how to make each other happier, how to, how to work on things. I remember one dad said, you know, I thought parenting was all about trying to make my kids be good. But now I learned it's all about how to make them feel happy, and it changed everything in our family. Well, and uh, actually one of my best things was I did it with my really best friends. There were just friends in the neighborhood who could do it. Sometimes there were only three of us doing it. Sometimes there were seven of us doing it. Sometimes we had five boys, <laughs> which was not easy. And it just rolled out and has made a lot of a difference in families. So bringing it up to the to the present time, and thanks for bearing with us through that sort of retrospective on on Joy School. But now, what has it morphed into? Well, we're lucky to still have some of our family members. Our son Josh is really the webmaster now for Joy Schools. You got to put an S on there, joyschools.com. But people can go on there and, and become members of Joy School. They can they can log on and get all the materials they need to teach Joy School. And it's just something that draws families together. And I think that's what probably we're the most happy about, that it pulls families together, gives them a tradition of joy, and kind of casts a positive light on the idea of raising preschools, which can be a traumatic, difficult time. For a lot of parents we found were sort of, Oh, if I can just get through these preschool years, I'll be okay. And I think what Joy School has done is made people say, hey, this is the best time of life, not only for little kids, but for the parents who, who participate. My classic favorite comment was a mom early on who said, you know, you guys are pretty sneaky. You say we're teaching our children joy, but what we're really doing is learning joy for ourselves as we teach it. Well, it's been quite a journey, and I do have to say, if nothing else, go to the website because Josh has done a fabulous job. We it looked so bad two two years ago. Um, it well, was like who would do together, this? I mean, yeah. It just looks so bad. 
but um, it just been there for a lot of years. But he's updated it with all kinds of beautiful photography and all kinds of great ideas. And uh, it's and, just. And by the way, I'm glad you said that, Linda, because people don't necessarily have to join. I mean, they, you can you can do a sort of a informal joy thing in your own family just by following the website at joyschools.com. So our idea is take it as far as you want, but incorporate joy into the fabric of your family. And your life. We wish you the very best. It's a joyful time of year. Love your families and remember that we are here to have joy and not just men, children and women. And women. women. So good luck to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road.